Hi, Varun Raja here, and welcome back to the third edition of the Girls Chase podcast. After a couple of months hiatus, I'm pleased to share the fascinating interview I had with Drexel Scott, one of the most popular writers on the website and on the boards. I've personally followed Drexel on the boards for some time, as he always contributes bold insights into women's psychology and male attitudes, and has some of the wildest field reports I've ever seen. He has released a book recently, books on how to effectively and reliably seal the deal when a woman comes over to your place. I knew I had to pick his brain about this process, and so I hope this podcast finds you well, for we will discuss topics ranging from having game plans, to effective screening, to what men should actually do when they invite a woman to their apartment and how to go about closing the deal with her, and also some discussion on modern sexual politics and dynamics. Without further ado, Drexel Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you too. Well, uh, before we begin, tell us a little bit about your background and becoming known in this community and Girls Chase and everywhere else you've been. Okay. Well, I really started getting deep into this stuff in college. I went to a party school, but I had never partied or had a beer or a cigarette or kissed a girl or smoked a joint or any of that stuff before I got there. So I was very much a fish out of water when I started learning this stuff. A naive young college kid, I suppose. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I practiced it for a couple of years in college, or I, I was learning seduction from mostly from Mystery and David D'Angelo back in those days. And eventually I lost my virginity at the tender young age of 20 years old, so seven years ago. That's awesome. So this has been a seven-year process for me since from 20 to, I guess you're 27 now. Yeah. And uh, off, off the podcast, you told me that you actually lost your virginity to your boss. Is that true? <laughs> that is true. She was a petite redhead with giant boobs. And uh, she actually was the one that pursued me. So I got off to a, the right chase frames early on, you could say. She got my phone number from the employee phone number list. So technically it was sexual harassment, but it worked <laughs> out for both of us in the long run. Right. And uh, things just went from there. Wow. So this is pretty different from the typical viewpoint that most males have, you know, where they're the ones pursuing women, where they have to make all the moves and somehow in society we're kind of taught that first of all sex isn't really something women want even though it is as we know and girls chase and all that and also that girls can't pursue men right always have to pursue women and clearly the way you lost your virginity show is something totally different yeah i actually think they make the first move most of the time it's just that the move is very subtle even though girls think that they're being very obvious so they think that men are dumb for not getting their hints they don't realize that you know, with the upbringing that men have in the Western cultures right now, we're taught that male sexuality is evil and wrong and all this stuff. And we're taught that women are the prize and we're the ones that have to work hard because they don't want to have sex and we have to earn it from them and all this other bullshit. But when a woman is interested, she usually, in my opinion, will make that known in some way, whether it's subtle or overt. And it's usually subtle. Right. And also what you describe basically is that society perceives sex for women as being a really big deal, but yet in your experience, you've mentioned that it's really not a big deal for most women out there to be having sex with men that they like. Well, they make it, women want you to think it's a big deal because then you will work hard to, to earn it from them. And it's a way of getting investment from men. So yes, they love to have sex just like everyone else. They, I mean, the clitoris is only there to feel good. There's no other purpose to that organ. So of course, sex feels good for them. But if they went around having, if all men thought that women just wanted to have sex all the time, men wouldn't bend over backwards and, you know, build empires and fight wars to protect them. And that's, that's kind of how the game works. 
Yeah, there's a evolutionary and social growth reason behind the way the system works right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about the patterns that you've discovered in, in learning. I mean, I know that you have a blog that you used to write called The Mask and Rose. Yes. yes and you used to document all your findings and your learnings. And how did you determine all the patterns that you've learned? Just a lot of paying very close attention and a lot of feedback on forums. You know, when someone starts succeeding at something or becomes a, quote, overnight success, they don't see the years of work that goes into that. And that's true for anything, women or business or, you know, athletics or sports or whatever. Um, there's always a lot of hard work and introspection and periods where you want to give up and you feel like you don't know it and you're never going to be good at it. So I was part of a couple of forums throughout my time and always at the beginning, especially I mean, I was posting every word from conversations I was having with girls. You know, why did she say this? What did this mean? Uh, in some cases, I say, hey, I have to respond to this girl. Give me a good response because I have no idea what to say. Um, and then I, I started writing the blog once I felt like I understood and integrated enough of what I learned uh, to be able to verbalize it to other people. Interesting. And I know you've just said to me and described elsewhere on the Girls Chase boards that you now, after seven years or so of learning, have a close to 85% or more first date to lay rate, basically, that you get a girl's number, you'll go on a date with her, and within an hour or so, she's back in your place and you're banging pretty much, which is pretty awesome. You know, it's a... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> more often than not, that is the case. So <laughs> some girls are cool with just coming straight to your house. You know, some of them want to meet you in public first, but if they want to sleep with you, if you're the kind of guy they want to sleep with, or you're giving off those, you know, sexy alpha vibes or whatever, then they, they know why you're getting together. And it's just a question of, you know, making them realize you're not like a rapist or a serial killer or something. And then once they know that, then they're usually pretty cool with coming over. And then, yes, I have a process for once they get back here that's pretty lethal at the moment. And that's what we're here to share because uh, you just released a book, Straight to Sex, on your website. It's called Straight to Sex, correct? Yeah, Straight to Sex, Get Laid at Your Place. <laughs> and uh, that's basically a step-by-step -step guide to describe how to close with a woman when she's back at your place, correct? That is correct. And uh, I don't want it to sound like, an, like a technical manual because it really isn't. The number of steps is very small. And I spend much more time talking about the psychology behind those steps. A guy can perform the steps and maybe get laid, right? But until he actually understands why it works, then he won't be able to recreate it on his own. And I don't want people to just read off a, a script or whatever. I want them to understand it and come up with their own thing. Because the process that works for me is what works for me and my personality. So I give guys kind of the skeleton or the template of like, you know, bring her to this room and then walk away here for a few minutes and... And this kind of stuff, but it's really up to each guy to figure out, to test stuff out and make it work for them. And I spend, uh, especially like the first half of the book goes into something that I rarely, rarely see, which is the different ways that the woman is thinking or what she's expecting when she actually comes out to meet the guy for the first time, because that side of the equation is really important. Right. And uh, you actually bring up a really good point, which I want to discuss a bit with some of our newer listeners, which is that... It seems a lot of uh, people come on the boards asking for advice from some of the uh, older and more senior board members and more experienced seducers out there, when really what you just said is that you have a system that works for you and you have a psychology that you understand. While we can piece these things together, it's also critical to develop 
a system that works well for you individually and that you have to experiment with and develop. Absolutely. And I know, I know guys that can get laid like saying other people's lines, like reading routines, manuals and stuff, but they're not really genuine people. And other people around them can feel that and they can tell and women can tell after a while because once a guy runs out of other people's lines, all that's left is him. And unless he is someone she wants to be around, then she's just going to leave at that point. So yes, I think that there's something that'll work for every person. That's The goal is to bring as much of you to it as you can. You know, Bring as much of your personality and your quirks and your sense of humor to it as you can, because that's what's the closest to what's genuine for you. Of course. And you would say that congruence in your personality and your outwardly appearance to women is of utmost importance to be successful in this system. Absolutely. People can tell they have this sixth sense for people who are lying or being disingenuous or dishonest in some way or saying one thing and then thinking something else. And especially women who are very, very clued into these uh, social cues. Of course. So tell us a bit about how you actually developed your system. Well, I have not lived anywhere for more than two years since I graduated from college. I moved around a lot and done a lot of different jobs in different states. And because of that, I never was able to really become, quote, established in a city with like a permanent social circle that could keep getting bigger with access to lots of friends and connections and women. So I had to come up with something that would work regardless of where I was that was relatively simple and that I didn't really have to go too far from my own apartment or home to do. And so I played with different stuff and like my process used to be much longer, still effective, but much longer. And now it's, it's just a process of trimming the fat and streamlining things. And with this process that, with a system, so to speak, you're able to get women home on the first date for sex 85% of the time, approximately. I can only think of two girls since I moved to my current house that I did not have sex with. One of them gave me a hand job and kissed my balls. <laughs> so, you know, at least I got somewhere. And uh, the second one, I think, was just bored that night and just using me as a way to pass the time. Of course. But all the other ones, it's been the first time. Oh, that happens sometimes, so... It does. It does happen. Yeah. And I know that in your book, In Straight to Sex, you've decided to focus on the closing opportunity, so to speak, after she's back home at your place, you know, when you actually want to seal the deal, because that's also a lot of place where um, many guys falter, where there's a lot of pressure built up to make a move, or you don't really know where to make a move. It's quite the uh, psychological, how do you say, like, cracker, I suppose, like, just uh, psychs you out, psychs people out all the time. It does. And it's, it's the most important part of the whole thing. And I'll tell you why. The first part, as every guy who's been through this process knows, is it fucking sucks to build a connection with a girl and approach her and ask for her number or go on a date to put in all this work just to fuck it up at the last moment and have her leave and to never see her again. Yeah. You know, that happens to everyone and it sucks. And the other reason it's so important is that she is expecting you to be able to lead the process the entire way through. A lot of the book, Straight to Sex, is about what it means to lead, why women like it, and what it actually entails to lead the interaction, to lead the dance of seduction. And the nicest part about having a system in place for when she comes in your front door is that it totally takes all the pressure off when you're actually on the date because you have an outcome to which you are guiding the entire interaction. You know where you're going ahead of time. So it takes a lot of confusion and hesitance. A lot of guys want the girl to make the first move because they don't know what to do. Right. And that's almost, that's almost never going to happen. You know, it's really up to us to lead. 
and it makes both parties happier in the long run when the guy does it properly. It's something that women seem to expect, too. It's like, you know, they kind of want to have their cake and eat it, too. You want to have the good feelings, and you want to have the man provide it for you, and he wants to just enjoy the ride, basically, as far as they were willing to take it with you. Yeah, and, you know, women don't really like to take responsibility for their sexuality, so it's up to the guy to make it happen, and also it's up to the guy to make sure that things end on a good note, because if things end on a bad note, she will still shirk her responsibility for it, except now you're looking at like a, an, an accusation of some kind, or she'll say that you know it wasn't consensual, or we're seeing a lot of like false rape reports in the news lately in the media. Even on our boards, actually, so <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got to be very careful to make sure that she is having a good experience with you. Of course. Well, let's talk a bit about your process. I mean, guess the nitty gritty of it, so to speak. And being a good leader as a man, and let's say you see a woman on the street or maybe in a cafe or at a bar that you like, what does a good, right, masculine approach look like that displays good leadership skills? The way that I like to do it, so I, when I'm talking to a woman for the first time, I tend to start off at a certain vibe or a certain energy and increase it in sexuality to see if she's going along with it. I don't come out like with my dick out like, hey, you're hot, let's fuck, something like that. So usually I start off with a very social vibe. Like I told you, I've done a lot of door-to-door sales and I'm, I, I'm very easy to talk to and it's very easy for me to talk to people. So I just kind of start bantering with them, just regular social conversation, commenting on something in the environment in a way that's going to make her laugh. And if she doesn't laugh, then I just don't talk to her anymore. Because if she's not going to accept me being social, there's no way she's going to accept me being flirtatious or sexual. Right. And I don't, I don't really go into this in the book. I didn't know, because uh, it's not like an approach book, but it is good stuff. And so if she does like me being social and we have that vibe going, then I might start to make hints about sexuality or make a joke about sex or something and see how she responds to that. So I'm calibrating it throwing out bait, and if she bites, then taking it to the next level. And I know that you've mentioned this on the boards as your primary screening strategy for determining which women are amenable to you making sexual advances on them and which ones aren't. And that enables you to move quickly past the ones that aren't into you and also spend more time on the ones that do vibe with you, that do banter with you. And especially if you're becoming sexual with them, that they do respond flirtatiously and then you can actually move forward and lead the interaction appropriately to wherever you want to go. Absolutely. I mean, if a woman's taking the bait, you can move through this whole thing in like five minutes. I took a girl home from a bar a couple months ago after knowing her for less than 60 seconds. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes it's just one sentence or one question for each of those vibes. And if she's throwing a certain energy in your direction, then as the man, you're supposed to recognize what she's doing and then lead things to the next step. Of course. But yes, I I don't like to waste time. And for you, this is all done through subcommunication. Like you said earlier, you're not going out with your dick out, saying you're really hot, let's fuck. This is all playing under well, the... Not at, not at first. <laughs> of course. But you're playing under the women's rules, which is communicating subtly, you know, following social rules, not being too obvious, yet also letting her imagine the mystery of the sexuality that might follow soon by building up her imagination or fantasies perhaps yeah and if she's really receptive you know some women are just they're available and they're receptive they want to meet a guy if she's receptive you know i might get pretty physical and groping them and touching them or like if they're dressed really sexy like this is gonna sound weird but if they're dressed really hot i might like look at their boobs and it once once i know that they're on board with my presence you know not just starting with this i might be like oh my god you are giving me a huge boner here help me hide it and then i'll like hug them into myself 
so they can like protect the public from seeing my boner or something. And then the whole time they can feel it. And now they're supposed to be laughing and giggling at that part. If not, then you're like assaulting someone. So you have to be very careful with these things. But it's also a way of showing your masculine dominance. You know, you're pulling into her, yeah. you're still leading her along, along the interaction, making it a fun and playful thing that both of you are sharing together. It's just a funny moment. Absolutely. If I'm talking to a woman for five minutes, she is going to know the reason that I'm talking to her is because I'm sexually interested. Of course. Well... That's a good screening mechanism. Now let's jump ahead a few steps. Let's say you've established the good vibes, you're both sexual with each other, and now it's time to bring her home. And this is where the steps in your book really come in. I was hoping you can talk a little bit about that. So if a girl is down right away, you don't have to go on a date and you don't have to make an excuse. You can just say, hey, let's go hang out at my house for a while, get to know each other. And the girls know what that means. Like a lot of guys don't seem to realize this, that when you invite a girl over, it doesn't matter if you say, hey, uh, I'm going to strap you down and fuck you or, hey, let's watch a movie. They know exactly why you're inviting them over. Right. And so it's much more important whether she wants to come over than what it is that you're saying. But yes, if, if she is down right away, if I skip the date and bring her back to my house, I have the same tour of my house. And this is something I talk about in the book a lot. And it's up to each guy to come up with his own structure and tour for this. But I take them through the same rooms. To, I sometimes make the same jokes, and there's something in the book I talk about called the comfort building activity, which can be whatever you like best. You know, if you like drinking, I don't drink personally anymore, but if you like drinking, maybe it's having a beer with a girl on your balcony. And that's what you're going to be doing for your comfort building activity with every girl that comes over. Or if it's a, a massage or something, if, you, if you're going to give a girl a massage, then you want to do that every time. You can keep these things really, really simple. And so, like, if you're not a massage person, you're not going to be giving a girl a massage every time. And if you're not drinking, you're not going to be having a beer on the balcony. But consistency is the point, because only when you're following the same steps are you able to kind of get the feedback you need to hone the process and make it better. So when a girl comes over, I lead her through my process that involves, let me think about it, basically three rooms in my house in the same order every time. And then there's little sneaky things I do to move things in a sexual direction, which I also go into at the book, in the book rather, uh, in, in clear detail. Let's give a teaser for the listeners out there. Okay, so the teaser is this. Women, it's very easy to pull their attention in a certain direction if you want to. They're kind of like cats, you know, if something is shiny, they're going to pay attention to it. Or if something is if, uh, the, you know, you jerk the string and a cat goes after it. And so you can have things like bait, basically, laying out in your home that, are, that imply sexuality. And if the item that's out is suggestive and attention-grabbing, 100% of the time, they're going to go straight for it and start talking about it. And it's a really easy way to get the woman to bring up uh, sexual or suggestive or romantic topics. It's just a matter of placing, of finding the right sneaky thing putting it at the right part of your house for your tour, however it is that you design it. So the idea here is for her to bring up the sexuality before you do so that you can use her bringing it up to uh, lead her into it further, essentially. Exactly. All I did was lead her through my house. She's the one that walked over to that thing on the wall and asked me questions about it, right? It's brilliant. And then you can keep talking to her about that and accuse her of being sexual, maybe, or you know, have mm -hmm. some fun jokes with it and be sexual yourself. And that's also demonstrating to the woman that you're a sexual man, that you know, that you get it, that you get how the way she thinks and what she's looking forward to. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if she's going to be, you know, revving herself up about sexuality and she's alone with me in my room, you know, she's probably not going to leave and go masturbate. She's probably going to have sex with me when I'm right there in front of her. Right. And so it is, it is kind of sneaky, but it's not like harmful or malicious or anything. It's just a fun way 
to get past the hurdle of bringing up sexuality or of bringing the vibe or the energy to that level. Because a lot of guys are really uncomfortable talking about sex, really uncomfortable with it. Like, remember, girls talk with each other about every detail of, like, their lovers and their boyfriends. Like, oh, his penis is this big and he likes this position and stuff. They love to talk about that shit with each other. And guys don't really do that so much. You know, we might say, oh, she had a great ass or great boobs or whatever. So a guy who can communicate with women kind of the way they communicate with each other, that's kind of what was meant by that secret society post that uh, uh, Tyler Durden posted all those years ago, 10 years ago or whenever it was. It's like being on the same team as a woman, understanding the kind of world that they live in and being able to enter that world and communicate with them there. And when you do that in a sexual way, you know, very good things tend to happen. And so what you're saying is a critical aspect for all men to bed women quickly to bring them home quickly and have sex with them quickly is to be comfortable with your own sexuality and also to be comfortable with the idea of bringing up all aspects of sexuality with the woman that you're with. Ideally, you should be able to talk about sexuality as easily as about the weather. Like if you're talking about, oh, it rained and then there was a rainbow, you know, that should be as easy as saying like, yeah, I really like to fuck a girl from behind while she's eating out another girl. You know, you should be able to maintain your calm with that conversation if you want to push things to that level. But yeah, being comfortable and owning your sexuality is the biggest problem for guys right now because we live in a world that teaches you that, well, in Western cultures and especially America, and this is true in England and Sweden as well at the moment, they teach you that basically being born a man makes you an evil rapist, right? That's the feminist narrative that's beaten into our heads uh, if you go into a public school system or you watch a lot of TV and mainstream media. So reclaiming your masculine sexuality, saying, you know what, it's not wrong, it's not bad, these fucking people are crazy, these people telling me this stuff, and they're all unhappy, so, you know, I'm just going to follow my own path and what's worked for humanity for the millennia before these crazy people came along and started telling you that being a man made you evil. Right. I want to talk about feminism a little bit with you. Um, oh, in a, you're opening up a can of I know, worms, it's going to be a... I don't know if you have time for that, but we'll try. But uh, before we get to that, though, really quick, how about uh, physicality when a girl is in your house? How do you touch her? How do you lead her to through your house? How do you like you know? How do you interact with her physically? Because the physicality is a huge aspect of actually getting her prime for intimacy. In the end, absolutely. Well, one of my early uh, seduction mentors on a forum I used to belong to. I had a quote that I really like. He said, if I'm with a woman and she's not laughing and I'm not touching her, then I'm probably dead. Mm, Wow. Yeah, you should be touching and giggling and it should all be like high level, good vibes. Like I see a lot of people in shitty relationships where they want to argue with each other and call each other names and put each other down. And it's just lame, man. It's totally lame. Ideally, everyone is feeling good on a high level. And so, yeah, I'm always touching them. And part of my tour involves uh, sitting on a a bench in my balcony that's big enough for two people, but you're going to be touching each other while you're sitting down. You know, your legs are going to be touching, your uh, shoulders are going to be touching. And then I might just like touch a woman's leg or her shoulder to emphasize a point or something. You know, you don't want to start out like grabbing her cooch. You want to start out with kind of more casual touching and then escalate things from there. So essentially, build up to her comfort level, you know, start off slow sometimes and then work your way up to more and more uh, seductive touching, you know, maybe the small of her back to her ass to the inner thigh to then to her pussy or something like that. Correct. Yeah, you have to go the individual woman's pace, which means you have to be paying very close attention to her body language and the look on her face and, you know, the energy that she's giving off. Because if you go at her pace, she's going to be comfortable with it. And if you go at your pace 
she might not. Right. It also happens that uh, sometimes women are ready to go right when they walk into your house. And then mm-hmm. a lot of guys don't realize that she's ready. And they think for whatever reason that she's actually not horny, that they have to spend more time trying to get her primed up. And then the opportunity is already lost. Absolutely. In fact, it seems to me that, uh, sorry, it seems to me like a lot of guys dropped the ball at this last stage for, for some reason. They don't know what to do when the girl is actually at their house, they don't know how to lead her along. They don't really have a clear process. Why do you think this is? Why do you think most guys just drop the ball at the last stage? Because they don't get the signals that the woman is giving. And you're right. I see this on lots of forums, you know, seduction forums and whatnot, where when I'm reading it, it's very obvious the woman wants to bang the guy. And then he's like, so then I took her on this date and we made a plan to have a date the next week. And I'm sitting there like, why the fuck are you taking her on dates? She wants to have sex with you right now. Invite (laughs) her home and give her what she wants, you know? Yeah. And I think it's because most guys don't understand that women show one face to the provider guys and a completely different side of themselves to the lover guy or like the bad boy or the secret lover, the lover on the side. And I go into this at length in the book as well, because the side that... If she wants to have sex with you and you start showing her a providery side, you're frustrating her. She doesn't want to see that side of you. She wants to see the side that's going to take her home and fucking fuck her quickly, you know? And I, so I think guys just don't understand that women change their behavior to match what the guy is presenting. Right. They really do. We're always leading, whether we like it or not, whether we're cognizant of it or not. The man is always leading. And even Friedrich Nietzsche, whose name I may or may not have mispronounced just now, he said, where men forget how to be men... The women become mannish. Hmm. And it's very true. You know, you're supposed to lead or else she's going to become the dominant, aggressive one that gets angry and all that kind of stuff. I really like that point, actually, because a lot of men don't realize that they are always the leaders, whether they like it or not. And women That's just will, how nature made us. And women will give you this role as leader, regardless of how you actually feel about being leader. So the only way you lose is to not be a leader and not act at all and to let the women lead the interaction or wherever you're taking it, whether it's the relationship or whether it's the first date or the first meeting, right? Yeah. Women despise having the reins in anything and I don't care how loud the feminists shriek about it you know they say that they're strong and independent and they want to lead the country but they hate it and if and most women will admit to you they can't even make really simple decisions like what to wear much less foreign policy and you know that kind of thing and being in charge in a relationship makes her feel good and validated in the very short run because it's like a power trip for her but there's no way she can respect and stay attracted to a man that she lords over you know Nature gave us certain sex roles for a reason, and nature is never wrong. The man is the head of the household. The man is the one taking action and taking risk and out there moving and shaking things. And the woman's role is to be pleasant and useful to him because it benefits both people. For a woman to support a man who is really driven and really on his mission, you know, she gets the benefits of that too because the more he expands his influence or his power, that means more money or a nicer house for her, more protection for her. And that is the proper role, I believe, of the dance. The man is the leader and the woman is like first mate. You know, the guy's a captain, the woman's first mate. And that's how the team works. Mm. Someone in my family described it really well, actually, I think, where he said women are the protectors. Sorry, men are the protectors of women and women are the sustainers of men in all, virtually totally. all activities. And I think yeah, that I makes like a that. lot of sense. It's uh, very different, though, from what we're taught today by feminists. I know you've mentioned that 
before we were talking about how young men are constantly bombarded by feminist teachers and a feminist media. And they're taught from a young age that male sexuality and being a free masculine man is evil, it's oppressive, it's rapey and shameful and bad. And now we mm-hmm. have a, a culture where men have basically forgotten how to be real men, how to really lead. And as we said before, you're in this whether you like it or not. So it's quite a tragedy in a way in in modern society. It really is. I mean, these paranoid narcissists have completely unwound biology and the structures of society that have always made civilization work. Like the nuclear family is always the fundamental unit of Western stability, which is based itself on the polarity between a man and a woman, each playing their proper role for the benefit of the whole team. And so you have these these crazy losers, for lack of a better word, going around trying to fuck things up and destroy everything with no, no plan of what to replace it with. They're just attackers and destroyers. And I wish every day that we could just ignore them, but unfortunately they're in a lot of very powerful positions and they've been placed there and they're supported by white knights and beta males who think that by giving into these demands, maybe they'll get some pussy out of it. It's the exact same dynamic on a social scale as it is like in a marriage. If the woman is angry and emotional and naggy and she makes demands and the guy's always giving in and giving in, she slowly usurps his power while losing respect for him. And on a social scale, you know, that's what feminism is doing to beta males essentially. So in a way, feminism is a blessing for guys like us who are learning this stuff because it's like the global shit test. Like if you fall for it, you're gonna be bullied by women and they're gonna step on you and push you around and laugh at you. Where if you don't fall for it, you know, oh, finally a real man who's not falling for my bullshit. It's just a shit test. Right, so what is the uh, fundamental problem that women have today in society regarding dating and sex? I think the fundamental problem they have is this. All of the nice men that they meet who are kind and generous and caring are pushovers and they're easy to manipulate, and they have no boundaries. And so even though the women like the kindness, they can't get wet, and they can't respect that kind of guy. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, all of the strong guys they meet who are exciting and arousing are assholes, and they're cruel, and they're not compassionate in any way. And so if they have to choose between the two, women will choose the exciting bad boy to have sex with and the nice guy to provide for her, usually at the same time if she can get away with it. Of course, provided right. I will never know about this. Of course. Um, so I think what... <laughs> no, no, no. No, I swear, I didn't I didn't have sex with him. I just got drunk and slept at his house, but I would never... And typically, typically a provider will believe that too, you know, if it's convincing enough, so... Oh, of course. It can be very, very convincing in the right moments. You know, they'll push the right buttons at the right time. And the the betas, they will forgive the woman and they'll never know. And they're kissing a woman whose lips were wrapped around another guy's dick the night before. But the fundamental problem. So I think what women are looking for is a guy who is strong and dominant and masculine, but also kind and has some kind of, of heart and isn't just completely selfish. And you can see... I mean, this Fifty Shades of Grey crap, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, because it was based on one of the worst books that's ever ever been published. But you can see women flocking to this thing in droves because they want strong, dominant men. And you can't deny that. I mean, that movie, even after the revenue went down 75%, it was still the highest selling ticket for a long period of time. They want strong and masculine, but they don't want crazy. And so I feel like even though that Christian Grey character was... Uh, well, frankly, stolen from a movie called Secretary, which is far superior to Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, about similar topics. You know, they want that masculine guy who's also paying attention to them. 
who punishes them when they're being bad, who spanks them when they're fucking up, but then who also lavishes them with praise or whatever when they're being good and when they deserve it. And so what you're saying is basically it's really important to play this game in a way that's uh, dominant and gentle and also makes women feel really good and feminine about themselves. I think a key point here is to make women feel feminine, to feel like women in the presence of a strong, dominant, masculine man. Absolutely. Remember what I said about how men are leading and women are following. So if you have that concept in the back of your mind, the way to make her feel the most feminine is to be around a guy who's really masculine. So the farther you can push yourself into that masculine polarity, the more feminine women will feel when you're interacting with them. So what do women really want then? What like when they meet a guy, what do they want? What is their ultimate goal? I think that changes with every breath they take, depending on what movie they saw that day and what their friends are talking about and what book they just read. But I I think at the end of the day, you know, I've read a lot of research about all this stuff. There's a really great book by Daniel Bergner called What Do Women Want? And it's like a science book about female arousal and sexuality. It's a great book that I can't recommend enough. I think what they want is two men at the same time, a man to provide for them and a man with really strong alpha sperm to impregnate them and then have the provider guy raise it. But like I said, ideally, and this is, this is the main character in every female romance novel, is that it's like an alpha provider. It's like those two extremes are present in the same man. But that almost never happens. So the closer you can get to that ideal of being that kind of alpha protector, like a sexy bad boy who's also a good guy, the closer you get to that, the more they're going to like you. Right. And this is something we also advocate on Girls Chase, to always put yourself in the lover role and to always avoid putting yourself in a provider role and at all costs avoid putting yourself in just a friend zone. The reason is because from a lover point of view, you always have the most flexibility as a man. You can always transition into anything else you want to where you don't have that kind of freedom from the other places which are less strong and just less dominant. Absolutely. If you start at lover, you can become the provider later. If you like if you screen the girl over a period of months and you want to spend time with her, you can always make a girlfriend out of a girl that you're fucking. But you can't have a monogamous relationship and then suddenly become a mysterious bad boy because that dynamic is just, was just never there from the beginning. Right. So how should a man present himself uh, when around a woman? Because at the end of the day, to have sex with a man is always a woman's choice. So what is the best means and best presentation as a man to get the results that you want? Well, it depends on whether she's, whether you guys are in a group or alone. Because when you're in a group, I feel like the best vibe is to just be happy and positive and and pro-social type of behavior. You know, being friends with everyone and you know, letting her see that you're normal. But then once you're alone, that's when you want to ramp it up with her. Like if you're on a lunch break from work or something and you're having lunch with the girl and there's no one else around, then you want to present yourself as more of the mysterious bad boy. Like telling stories of girls that you fucked the week before. I sometimes show women pictures on my phone of like inappropriate shit, like either dick pics or sex videos that I have recorded on there. But I'm not doing it in a way that's like bragging it's usually as part of like a conversation about sex or like, what did you do this weekend? Oh my God, I met this crazy chick. She wanted to like ride my face and then this and all this. And like, she showed me this picture of her boobs. Here, look at these, you know? So it's, it's not yeah. like bragging. It's, it's just like part of the conversation, which goes back to what I said earlier about being comfortable talking about that stuff with women. It's almost like you're presenting yourself as their girlfriend in a way while maintaining a dominant masculine frame because you're still, you know, because you're talking with them on a level, you know, that you can be free and open about sex. You can be free and open and talking about dating and there's no real, uh, um, how do you say, like, 
stigma behind it. Absolutely. I've never heard it put that way before, but yes, I would say that for the top level player guys, they're talking to women on their own, like, like I said earlier, from the perspective of their own female world. So you're not interacting with women the way most guys are, which is kind of needy or kind of detached or kind of scared. Um, and women really appreciate it when guys can just have these normal conversations with them. Because a lot of women don't understand men very well, just like men don't understand women very well. And so they learn a lot from me. I learn a lot from them. And you can learn a lot about pickup just from having these conversations with women. And in my book, I forgot which chapter it was. There was a point where I said, if you think this sounds weird, go show this chapter to a woman and ask her what she thinks about it. <laughs> because they love to talk about this stuff a lot more than they like to talk about you know, philosophy and politics or science, for example. Right. Now, your book is called uh, Straight to Sex, Get Laid at Your Place. And listeners can find it on your website, which is www.drexelscott.com. And is there another place they can also find it? They can also find it on Amazon. However, if you're going to search for my book on Amazon, search by my name and not by the title. Because if you search for Straight to Sex, a bunch of like, gay erotica novels come up for some reason <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm saving all that for my next book so if you want to find this one search for drexel scott and it will come up there obviously i would prefer <laughs> you to buy it through my website because amazon takes a royalty when you buy it through there but either way you buy it i am very confident that you'll find things in there that you have not seen before and that will help rewire your mind to be better at this stuff Excellent. And I know to me, you've also mentioned that you have a, a neuro-linguistic programming product. Can you tell us a bit about that too? Yes. So I am a certified master hypnotist. I went to hypnotherapy school for a couple of years and graduated, but I didn't really want to be a hypnotist. I wanted to see what I could do with the tools that I learned. And so I started doing door-to-door -door sales and canvassing and face-to-face -face fundraising using hypnotic tools that I learned in hypnotherapy school. And I took some uh, covert influence. I took a seminar on that as well. And I used all of this stuff I was learning and I kind of put hypnotic constructs into my sales pitches and stuff like that. And I got a door-to-door -door canvassing job and within about a month, and I never sold anything before, within about a month, I was the number one door-to-door -door person for that company on the planet, which is wow. really cool. That's really yeah. impressive. Thank you. Thank you. It was really cool when I actually started playing with this stuff and seeing what you could do with it. And then I did a bunch of gigs from there and I'd never reached number one again, but I've always been a consistently top level performer wherever it is I go because this skill set is really, really powerful. And hypnosis is really powerful. We're all kind of being hypnotized all day anyway, whether we realize it or not. But this will teach you how to choose and structure your words and sentences to really impact people on a deep level, kind of to have your communication go past the conscious mind and hit them where it counts in the subconscious. And I don't really recommend NLP for seduction. I used to do it, speed seduction. Uh, language patterns do work, and there are some really good ones. But at the end of the day, there's just a faster path to the outcome. But when you're talking about sales or anything where you have to influence people, having a strong grasp of NLP and covert influence is really, really powerful. So in a way, this is a cross-platform product. You know, it's not just for seduction. This is a life skill that can, you can use to further your career, maybe further your relationships or your friendships and whatever you want to do with it, really, it seems. Absolutely. It's, it's called Capstone Influence. You can find it at capstoneinfluence.com, and you can also get it on my website, drexelscott.com. And yeah, you're right. So I don't teach it necessarily for sales or for seduction. I teach here are the tools, and if you do the homework, and you absolutely have to do the homework, then you'll be able to apply this skill set to whatever it is you want. But 
a lot of people don't like to do the homework and I can't stress this enough. I say it over and over again in the product. You have to follow my instructions and you have to do the homework. And if you do the homework and follow all my instructions, then you will be able to quickly, easily, and naturally come up with pattern language in all the right situations. And I'm even doing it a little bit right now, just going into Jedi talking mode. You'll be able to just kind of flip a switch and go into persuasion mode if you, if you do everything I tell you to do in the product. Excellent. So we can find more about this product, Capstone Influence, on your website as well. Is that correct? Yes. I'm going to be uh, turning it into a Udemy course soon, which is a, an online marketplace for classes. But once I do that, the price is going to basically double because I have to shoot the lectures and videos in a way that's got a really high production value. And so the price is, is going to go up whenever that does happen. Right now, it's less than 100 bucks, And in my opinion, I've taken a lot of classes on NLP. This is the best NLP product you're going to find. Excellent. Well, Drexel, it's been an awesome time. I really enjoyed uh, my interview with you. Yeah, it's been really fun. So thank you. Viewers, please sure to check out his articles on Girls Chase. He always has uh, also a great presence on the board, really reachable. I highly recommend to, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to post on the boards. I'm sure we can get Brexel to respond to you. Oh yeah, send me a message if you want. Yeah, and also be sure to visit his website at uh, drexelscott.com where you can purchase his book Straight to Sex and uh, we can also learn more about Capstone Influence. Yeah, thank you so much, Varun. I really uh, appreciate you throwing this whole thing together and I'm really looking forward to seeing what guys want to learn learn and and seeing what comes of this and hopefully hopefully some of the stuff we've talked about will spur guys to action and help them think about things in a more proper mindset of course and always be leading always be leading you're doing it whether you like it or not so you may as well do it right all right (laughs) thank you stay tuned for the next edition of the girls chase podcast in about a month's time until then i'm baroon raja signing out Thank you.